Welcome to our first episode of Relevant Conversations for All. Today we're going to talk about um, being equal as a whole, as humans, which is all humans being considered the same, as opposed to equitable, which means all of us having what's fair and impartial. So let's begin our discussion. strong visual and um, hopefully we'll be able to show that to everyone that is listening but um, it's important to remember for us to be it for us to be equal that is absolutely a significant thing as humans we are all equal Um, but in considering being equitable we have to also understand that um, we're not all at the same place so some of us may need more to get to a place of being equitable than others, and um, that is also part, or should be part, of the movement that is currently taking place now. Yes, I believe that um, on the on another way of looking at things, uh, a lot of people I think have a, a psyche block where they also feel like they have to be heads and shoulders above the next person mm-hmm. in order to feel comfortable or proud of what they have accomplished. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know if it's because of my upbringing or, and, and things that I've seen and, and actually matured in life, whereas I don't feel that way. I feel my purpose on earth is to be able to touch people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to help the next person. Sure. And sure. that doesn't mean that I hoard everything that I get so that the next person can reach my my potential. My hope is that um, outside of my children, I want other people to also see what what I may have, and for everyone to have the same opportunities. To achieve what I've achieved right. and more. Right. So. right. And I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, certainly, if we are progressing and feel the need that we have to step on someone in order to progress, now uh-huh. we're talking about the oppression, which is the foundation of this movement. Um, if you need to step on someone in order to feel good about yourself, uh-huh. then that in itself is a major problem that encompasses every aspect of humanity. Um, it's no longer being human. Um, and exactly, because, you know, that's kind of what sets us apart as mm-hmm. humans. 
to pick them back up. And if, you know, someone needs help or, you know, I, I believe in an old way of raising children, you know, it's one community, one neighborhood. If I see something going on that I don't think should be going on, I'm going to talk to that child, then I'm going to talk to the parent. Right. And, you know, just making sure that everyone is okay. And it doesn't matter. It should not matter in any case what the race or origin, orientation of the parents and so on, whatever's going on, that we should all treat each other the same. That is correct. And there's actually an African proverb that says... um, that it takes an entire village to raise a child. And what you just um, exemplified is that, exactly. Um, You know, I absolutely recall a time when I was growing up where um, when my cousins and I would go across town to play, whether it be in a park or to go to a friend's house, um, if any of us had done anything wrong, by the time we got back to my grandmother's house, she had already known because the neighbors on that end or the people that she knew on that end had already called and uh-huh. said, look, so-and-so uh, jumped off the curb or did something that I know he's not allowed to do. You know, right. so um, that encompassed everyone being involved and that ensured that just because your child wasn't in front of you, it still meant that someone was looking out. So you still had to mind yourself, you know, um, and that seems to be something that we've gotten away from. I know that in today's society, um, sometimes we get upset when other people correct our children. Um, but I, I do think that if it's still within the realm of respect, it is still a significant thing. It's something minor, you know, hey, you know, you dropped that piece of paper, you mind picking it up, or, you know, it's a, it's a good idea for you to pick it up. Or something along those lines. Just remind that child that we all have the same values. You know, that your mom and I have talked and we have the same values. Or your dad and I have spoken and we all have the same values. Yes, and in order for this to work fully as one community, and that includes uh, black, Native Americans, um, people, all backgrounds, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, everyone can see we're not colorblind but our values are the things that will bring us together our beliefs in things like equality and uh, giving people their care are the things that that bind us so that everyone can live in a comfortable state yeah yeah. and it's it's not saying we're going to be able to get everyone there but the Everything that someone needs will be available to every person. Right, right. I wonder if um, the entire notion of having equality comes from not considering the human next to you to be on the same playing field as you. You know what I mean? So, for example, did the whole notion of having to consciously be aware of whether we are equal or not come from the point of slavery or come from the point where uh, land was taken away from Native Americans? Or did it come from a point of someone looking different? It, it seems to have um, evolved, I think, uh, 
from someone making a distinction between someone else. Whereas if we're all humans, we're supposed to be the same. But at what point did someone say, well, you're not as good as I am because of your shade or because of your hair or because of your complexion? You know, race is a theory. It's not biological. You know, and and you and I sat in on a, a webinar where we learned about that. It is a theory that someone had and made a determination that um, in this theory, a particular race, based on the measurement and the distance between the eyes and the shape of the nose and the chin, was beauty in its perfection. Yeah, and I would say, you know, that was very interesting, um, that, that point that came out of the webinar, because, you know, to, to hear that race is, was actually defined by science and then it was picked up and turned into something shall we say evil with regard to how yes. it's used mm-hmm. um, now um, it was just one it started with one person who sat down and said hey this is interesting um, I noticed these differences not failings but differences mm-hmm. um, and between two sets or more of people and now you know people use it to say hey I'm better than you or you're less than me because of uh, these qualities and the only thing that differences mean is that you're different you know and you bring uh, something different to the conversation if I have friends of all different uh, races and creeds, then what I find is that when we get into conversations, you know, like we almost always come upon something that maybe I can look at in a different way or that it expands on something that I was already thinking, but their point of view enriches mm-hmm. what, I was, what I was thinking about instead of, oh, uh, shutting them down and saying your point of view doesn't matter because you're just different. Right. Um, so I think we get past this. And I was doing a, a paper uh, this week for class, and I think we get past this by uh, actually people of different backgrounds actually learning about each other, being being open. To learn about one another and not just to look out for the parts that confirm what they thought mm-hmm. but look for the things that you had no idea about yes yes well yeah I totally agree with that I also think that um, in the power of knowledge people need to understand that race is a theory race is not biological um, and in understanding that it opens their perspective to wait a minute yes we're all human so there's only right. one race, human right. race, if you want to get um, theoretical about it, right? Uh-huh. Um, and shouldn't we be celebrating the uniqueness, like you said, that everyone has? Exactly. I mean, that, exactly. you know, it, it just um, seems that 
the the definition of race has been used and twisted and contorted to become something that supports the notion of separatism keeping people in different places and that brings us to systemic racism which Uh has existed um, for a very long time Uh since reconstruction period uh, before the reconstruction period but I'm noting the reconstruction period because that is when African Americans in particular um, were were put in a position of, of being out in the open without being uh-huh. enslaved. And now right. it's time to um, set up businesses, to get homes and, and get education and such. And very quickly, um, it was a, a point of reminding that uh, you are not on the same plane as I am, for example. You know, uh, you, are, you are not on the same plane as person A because right. your skin is different so, because your race is different. It, exactly. Well, I would offer that as you as you confirmed, even before Reconstruction, before slavery was over, um, the systemic racism existed for other cultures that were quote unquote free within the U.S. Yes. Like the the, the Native, Native Americans, Americans have Absolutely. been dealing with systemic racism um, ever since they were forced. To, um, to reservations determined by uh, the democracy. Yes, uh, well, well, so-called democracy, so, yes. <laughs> exactly. You know, I... So, mm-hmm. so, you know, that's my, that's my only point, but with regard to uh, Reconstruction, you know, the fear has always existed that if people were given their equitable share that they would outdo the people who have been in power mm. for the longest. Mm. So, so yeah. and we show that in that short period that it is totally possible to do it. Yes, yes. Um, there's been many demonstrations of that. You know, perfect example is Black Wall Street. Where, exactly. Um, after the Reconstruction period, um, there were black-owned businesses. There were millionaires. There were doctors. There were lawyers. But um, I want to go back to um, Native Americans for a moment and also include all indigenous people. What's interesting is um, Native Americans, Africans, um, Aboriginal people, for example, we were all welcoming to the explorers that came onto the land. Uh We were willing to show what we knew. We were willing to teach. Uh Um, We extended the hand, and that hand was grabbed and tossed to the side in all instances. Um, So now we're talking about um, the premise of jealousy, them having coming and explore these different lands and saying, wait a minute, we don't have that. We didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then that sparked perhaps some form of jealousy. And then the thought of, well, mm, we need to somehow control this situation because we need, we need to claim these things. you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking about humanity, 
if we're talking about everyone being the same, then wouldn't you then want to all share what you've learned, which is what the Africans and Native Americans did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that speaks to uh, a race that always throughout history has uh, tried to forcefully take more than their equitable care. Yes. Um, And now um, they're being called on to give some back. Yes. To the people that they took it from and now they're upset with uh, regard to that notion. Um, And I won't say all. You know, some people uh, recognize uh, the racist transgressions and are willing to uh, have the conversation and come to the table and be fair. But, you know, if I were honest, if I look at the race as a whole, I think that people have their limits. Mm. If you talk if you talk to each individual within, uh, let's say, uh, the white race, for instance, um, who is afraid of being overshadowed by indigenous and marginalized and other people of color, the, the, what they say are the minorities in the country, factors here is that we have to um, consider ourselves as being human and in doing so um, get beyond this theory of race Uh and see good people for who they are regardless of their shade their shape, their preference or orientation Um, that is a significant thing because right now as it stands and what I'm seeing that's happening in this world it is now good versus evil there are some people out there who hold um, influential positions Uh whose desire and job it is to um, prevent those from achieving certain goals um, and they do that again. We, it brings us full circle back to systemic racism. And it starts very early on. It, it begins at the moment that we um, put our children into school. And their history lesson encompasses just one form of history, which immediately leaves them feeling as though they have nothing to contribute to this society. So right there, you're taking a young, formidable mind and you're trying to transform it into something um, that is not um, building a platform of who they are. In other words, they're looking and they're saying, well, I guess I can't achieve that because I don't see anyone that looks like me. Or I'm not supposed to achieve that. I would offer that um, when you say one form of history, I would say both history. Because 
because a lot of the histories that they're taught actually needs to be rewritten because of skewed yeah. toward um, making that other child feel good about themselves. And as you just mentioned, um, maybe a black child or another type of minority feel as though they can't achieve Mm-hmm. because they don't see people like themselves in a book doing anything. But a lot of things that are that people uh, who wrote the, the history that's currently being taught, um, a lot of things that were written were false. Right. And it was taking, taking credit for things that they did not invent, did not discover. Right. How do you discover a land that's already there and Right. I mean, you know, when that comes from the mouth of babes, elementary students, um, when that lesson is taught and they raise their hand and, and they raise that question, that tells you, you know, it, it's it's very obvious. And it also, it's a positive sign because we're then seeing a new generation of thinkers and they're not thinking the same way as these older generations and we also have to remember that the, the notion of hate, the notion of separation, that has to be taught because typically all children pay, play together until they get to a certain point or where someone makes a distinction and says, well, you can't play with Joe because X, Y, Z, or you can't play with Jane because of X, Y, Z. That has to be taught. Hate has to be taught. Exactly. Okay. Racism has to be taught. Just the mm-hmm. distinction between races has to be taught. Exactly. You know, because typically a child will say, well, why does Jane look like this and I look like that? Now, depending on the response that they get will determine how their concept begins to be formulated. You know, Um, but history is just that. It's his story. It's written by the winner. Um, And many of the people that did not make the traditional history books that we know of today um, did not have the authority to get there. So um, their creations were taken and someone else's name was put to it or um, people suffered under their hand and, and they received accolades for what they have done. But I am happy to see that these statues are coming down. That is also very significant and that is also telling us that we are moving in a better direction. Quite frankly, personally, I am not comfortable with the term minority because it still has um, separatism in it. Okay. So who, who is the majority then? Are you saying that um, when you group people over here and you call them minority, are you now saying they can never be the majority? Yeah. Why, why do we have that distinction? Obviously, the distinction was put into place by people who actually came out um, after the scientists, the gentlemen who decided yeah. that it's a theory. It's a game. It's a theory. So, um, minority uh, was put into place in order to track and to to track and to separate and to let uh, certain people know when things were getting quote-unquote out of control and they needed to rein it back in. Yeah. Well, you know, um, one of the lessons that I think many of us 
have been taught at a very early age is um, that feeling of when you are left out uh-huh. of something. So um, whether it occurred on the playground in elementary school where um, a, group, a group of kids are playing and they decide that you can't play with them. Um, everyone, I think, remembers that feeling. Why are some people turning that feeling off and making an exception? You know, right. to to leave people out and to forget about that feeling that they have had, that feeling of being separated or being told that they cannot participate because of some outlandish reason. They, If people were just to roll back their memory for a moment and just remember that time and how they felt and kept that with them on a regular basis, I would like to think that they would be less likely to treat someone else in the way that that they recall being treated. So there are so many, so many things that we felt as uh, children that our parents taught us as children uh, with regard to being equal and equitable that uh, many people tend to forget as they age. Um, and they convince themselves that it's okay to forget. Mm-hmm. That I'm, I'm forgetting that feeling of being left out. I'm forgetting that feeling when things were not fair and how it made me feel on the inside. I'm forgetting uh, that feeling of, like, if I didn't feel like, I felt like my older brother took most of the mashed potatoes on the table, (laughs) and I was left with a spoonful. You know, I'm forgetting all of that, and this is why I'm okay doing that, and it's it's not right. I think you're absolutely correct that, you know, if people carried with them, a lot of the memories of uh, things from their youth, then, you know, as they grew, then they would actually be better people and this world would be a better place. Right, right. Remembering that negative feeling that you felt from being left out, Uh um, from being singled out in a negative way. And instead of projecting it, and continuing it, remember how horrible it made you feel, and right. and make a difference, and say, you know what, I'm not going to treat anyone that way, you know. But some people, adults, have taken that feeling, and and they've turned it into hate, and they've turned it into anger, and uh-huh. you know, it 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 always amuses me when I see these supremacist groups because if we were to do a DNA test. On these folks, uh-huh. I am almost certain that none of them would be pure. Not a single exactly. one. Not exactly. a single one. You know, but they would never do that, you see, because then there would be no justification to the hate. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and they, then they won't. They would just start uh, kind of cutting it down, you know, the way that they did in the original Constitution, how uh, black people three-fifths of a person. Yes. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought up the Constitution, though, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know. (laughs) So what they would do is start, you know, like, cutting it down, like, okay, well, if you're less than me, 
theory so it doesn't matter to begin with exactly. it's, it's, it's so someone's it, yes. preconceived notion Six degrees of separation. We all came from the same being, which was found on the continent of Africa. So really, we're all related. It's just a matter of, you know, when we talk about our cousins, they're much closer, you know. Um, but we are all distant relatives of the same being. Um, so that DNA has to be there. And for people to deny that or to say that we're descended from... Uh, different types of animals and, and things of that type. It's just ridiculous. Right. Because you took the race theory from science, but you're not dealing with any other type of science. Right. But, you know, how do you pick and choose? Right, right. But I want to uh, hop back on the Constitution for a hot moment. Because okay. um, certainly if we are going to talk about being equal and if we are going to talk about uh, being equitable across the board, we need to look at that constitution again because the constitution was not written to um, include the uh, variety of humans that currently exist on this planet today. Uh, The constitution was not even written to include women. So, um, my thought is that a panel needs to be formulated with representation of every person of color, every uh-huh. indigenous group. And uh-huh. when I say people of color, I'm, I'm talking about the Caucasian people as well. Right. Everybody coming together, representation from as many groups as possible. And I don't even want to say group because groups, again, implies separation. Uh-huh. For as many variations of humans that exist. Uh-huh. To come together and write, rewrite the Constitution with everyone in mind, not just with a select group of people in mind, and then expect everyone else to adhere to that. No. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, um, and we didn't speak about this yet, but when uh, Joe Biden mentioned uh, taking the wording for every man is created equal mm-hmm. to um, include women, that there was a big uproar over that. Oh, well, there's going to be an even bigger uproar to include everyone. And everyone right. needs exactly. to be included. Listen, our, all of our money is green. We all pay taxes. Mm-hmm. We should all be equal contributors to the Constitution. Okay? Um, yeah. And I, I also think that um, there are certain aspects of the Constitution that People have made a decision to interpret that in, mm-hmm. a, in a way that's completely backwards. Just like the Bible. You know, that. well, that, yeah, that's, that's a whole other conversation. But um, right to bear arms doesn't mean that you carry those arms and you, you go around and you threaten people and their families right. when they're minding their business. That's, mm-hmm. that's not what 
right to bear arms. And in fact, the right to bear arms came about during a time where this land was threatened by other lands in terms mm-hmm. of war. We're not in war well, time. Um, right. Well, if we if we look at it, so the right to bear arms, yes, came about when this land was threatened by other right, right by outsiders. However, mm-hmm. why are we the people the ones that are making these rules? And you know, not me personally, but the people who were here, why are we making these rules in the first place? Because yes, it wasn't England's land, but it wasn't yours either. <laughs> right. So the the only ones that should have been bearing arms at that point should have been the Native Americans. But they, you know, they did when they were pushed to do so. But uh-huh. but generally speaking, um, Native Americans are very peaceful. African uh-huh. Africans in Africa have been peaceful in terms of um, looking back historically in terms of welcoming uh-huh. and teaching. And saying, okay, well, you know, winter's coming. And I see that you guys don't have any food. So let me show you how to plant crops. Let me show you how to harvest those crops. Let me show you how to use the natural resources. And that's what different indigenous groups did. And as we said in the beginning, that was taken full advantage of. Exactly. And then they Africa like it's a barren land, but if it's barren, who made it so? Well, it's it's. I think people have a false false perception of the continent of Africa in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is lots of wealth in Africa. We, we could talk about the diamonds, right? The the blood diamonds. Yeah. But, you know, um, in my mind, I'm, I'm trying to make, really working on making a conscious effort not to use words that separate. I don't, you know, I used the word group a couple of minutes ago. I don't even like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, that is taking people and putting them to one side and taking other people and putting it to the other side. Um, we are one and the sooner we learn to move together as one and I think people are getting that lesson the Uh movement is demonstrating that people are getting that lesson Um, the better off we'll be um, as humans as a planet (laughs) I'm I'm working towards that but in my mind we have to acknowledge uh, the the different variations that have that are not equitable, and they remain separated because different groups. No, you hate that word, but gotta <laughs> use it this time. Uh-huh. Different groups try to keep them there. So yeah, ultimately that should be the way that it is. Everyone has to come together at once, but there seems to be a particular variation that is uh, trying home 
okay, 67% of people disagree with the way that our current president is uh, running the country. Okay, then that means 33% agree. That's over 100 million people. So that's a huge... It is. It is a huge chunk. It is a huge chunk, but it's a it's a speck comparatively to the people who don't agree. Exactly. Well, it's it's one third, and the people who don't agree are two thirds. However, that's a big chunk that we need. If we can't just say, hey, you know, the sixty six percent that agree come with us. And then the other 33%, if you want to stay over there, stay over there, because that's a huge number of people. I think what we need to do is to look toward, you know, as our conversations have happened in the past, like, we have to look toward um, education, about inclusion, about getting those people, the ones that can be involved. Um, actually, and I don't want to say indoctrinated, but basically you mix with them in order that they learn a different way. I think and, and mm-hmm. that's how we do it. Yeah, and I, I think that is a process that's beginning to happen. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, as I mentioned in the beginning, I talked about you know two groups, good versus evil, and and really, what we're talking about here is humans versus the inhumane. And right uh-huh. now, there are a group of inhumane, uh-huh. I don't even okay. want to say indivi- individuals, inhumane, um, who need to recognize the fact that, that their way of doing things uh-huh. has never been acceptable, and it's even less acceptable now. It's not to be tolerated. And we right. as humans, um, who are looking to um, be good and to you know, humankind, uh-huh. um, we need to stand together and some of more. And of and course. that is that is the um, positive and significant aspect of this movement. Um, this is why um, the movement looks the way that it does, where you have people of all shapes, sizes, origins. It doesn't matter because we're standing together as humans in solidarity. And, it's, and we are standing together against those who choose to behave like non-humans. Right. Right. So with that being the case, where do we start? I mean, we started with trying to have a podcast in order to open discussion uh, with regard to some of the things that are going on, but... Well, I feel that we've already started that process and technology has helped tremendously to um, get that message across. We have social media, particularly something like Instagram, where we can now see the atrocities that continue to take place all over this planet. And we can also see the positive aspects of globally how people are coming together and saying enough is enough. You know, Um, and... Yes, it's sad that the majority of us needed that visual or constant visuals 
to understand the devastation that is taking place. Um, but we need to be aware and we need, I agree, we need to um, promote knowledge. We need to start looking beyond ourselves and beyond the, the little square that we live on and say, well, you know what? What is happening to other people will eventually happen to me if we don't get hold of this situation. And I think that that's a very significant thing. I mean, look, you know, look at the atrocities that took place in World War II. Before it got to the Jewish community, there were other communities that were devastated, that were killed. So it is just a matter of time. This is why it's so significant for good humans, people who are interested in supporting humankind, need to continue to stand together and fight against those who choose to hold on to inhumane practices. And I might add, it's those very inhumane practices that has secured their position. And that is where the fear comes from. Because the more people that look at them and recognize that what they're doing is inhumane, the less support that they will have and the less ammunition they will have to hold the positions that they hold. That right. brings us so, to voting, right? That is, that is our right. It's our responsibility as well to be constantly on the lookout to make sure that uh, those forces or... Uh, those people who would try to hold on to those old ways aren't spreading propaganda. Because unfortunately, there are those out there who would believe it mm -hmm. um, because it comes across a television set or across right. the radio right. um, that would believe that what they are hearing, what they are uh, putting out there would be true. And uh, then that sets us back yeah. with regard to what we're trying to do. Uh, well, yes and no, because I think those people that are out there that are not validating what they're seeing and what they're hearing are the same people who have been stuck in the racist loop all of their lives. So um, I, don't, I don't think you're going to get um, much out of those folks. Don't, yeah. don't, don't expect to convert those folks if they okay. do then it, then it's a beautiful thing but i don't feel that we should waste our time entertaining those who choose to be inhumane we need to monitor what they what they're doing of course we need to know what they're doing but um we need to put that energy into those who are supporting humankind i watched a podcast um by uh who was included i believe it was Jesse Williams and another young lady, and it was about, you know, like bringing people together who had biases and prejudices and putting them together just for a conversation, and within that conversation, they were able to discover things about each other uh, that they had no idea about. Oh, right. So, right. it was, there was one... The, it was a young man um, who was um, from the Middle East, mm -hmm. and um, at one time he faced such shaming that he actually tried to assimilate and not claim his heritage. Yeah. The, and then he was talking to an older 
uh, Caucasian woman who happened to, they found out in the conversation, she actually came out online, that she was gay. Mm -hmm. And that she had experienced discrimination and, you know, had basically tried to, uh, tried to hold back her, her truth, um, based on the fear of being discriminated against. So they actually bonded over, um, that conversation, but that gives me hope, not that we have to leave everyone behind who currently has the wrong thought pattern, but that there is hope for those people if we introduce them to the new way of thinking. Mm -hmm. If we can educate them and show them, hey, just as you were saying before, how did you feel when you were left on the sidelines as a youth? You know, how did uh, something that happened to you make you feel think that way I think um, they have to be willing mm-hmm. they have to be willing to to learn more right. they need to be willing to want to sit to hear the knowledge I mean even those that took place in that um, social experience were willing to do that yes. and that's what it takes because um, if I am speaking to someone who chooses to um, continue to behave in that or believe in that inhumane practice. Um, I am not going to change them unless they want to be changed. Absolutely not. You're, right? you're absolutely right. So um, what I was referring to is I have to then make a decision to to wipe the dust from my uh-huh. color. And I have to move on to those who are willing to listen, uh-huh. you know, and gather numbers that way. You know, and sometimes it is that simple as someone being able to step away from their group of belongingness where they seem to have found comfort. Exactly. Um, sometimes it takes a moment for them to, to step away and just see the world from a different perspective as opposed to hearing it as coming across one way all of their life. You know, um, sometimes that makes a difference, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, like I said, it would be a very beautiful thing if people who are currently thinking in in such a negative and hatred-geared manner, if they were able to take a moment and say, wow, wait a minute, yeah, uh, I, I was wrong. You know, and, and a lot of people have um, different perceptions simply because they've never experienced anyone that doesn't look like them. So um, so they may have heard other people talking about different types of individuals, or they may have seen something on a, a wacky show that pretends to be news. Um, and especially if they happen to live in an area where there is absolutely no diversity, there is not an opportunity to see. So that builds on a fear. 
you know exactly. and in addition you have someone in your ear all the time saying well oh, you you can't okay. talk about that person you can't uh, associate with that person because xyz you know so right. um and but but again that all comes by choice yeah. and so, you know sometimes it takes an experience with someone in order to change your mind about a group. And then sometimes someone could have an experience with someone that only changes their mind with regard to that person. You well, know, well, case, I, in, case, in, case in point, you know, uh, there's been several times in my life where, you know, I've had interactions where, you know, basically what the person was saying to me is, hey, you're one of the good ones. As opposed opposed to recognizing that maybe you're wrong about um, the differences, it's like, okay, well, you're just different. You're not like the rest. You're not, right. That's a very common phrase. You're not like the rest. It's exactly. Like the rest? (laughs) (laughs) Right. There are many out there like, like me and it's probably better so mm-hmm. it, it just you know I, I think that one is exposure you yes. know exposure is definitely important also being um, self-aware of your own biases mm-hmm. and listening to what you are actually saying because some people will speak and they think, oh, well, what did I say? What's wrong? You know, because they are so used to speaking that way, they don't even realize that they are making a distinction between individuals that may not be appropriate. Exactly. You know, um, you know, it's so I think that's an important conversation to have too, but a lot of it is... Yes, exposure, choice, uh-huh. self-awareness. Yeah. You know, all and of that, those things need to be applied. And you can be self-aware and still not want to change. So, like you said, that willingness has to be there. It's all hand not, in hand. It's like it's not, mm-hmm. not only to. I I don't think that people go into it thinking that they're going to change. They go into it willing to listen with an open heart. Yeah. Well, you you cannot present. I don't think it's beneficial to present something as well. I want you to listen to this because I want it to change you. I don't think under the best circumstances, people are not happy when someone tells them that they need to change. I think just um, presenting the circumstances, being your authentic self, and the exposure and the willingness and all all the things that we talked about, hopefully will help individuals to come to their own conclusion about what it is they need to adjust in their lives. Yeah. You know, and if they're being truthful with themselves, if they're truly being self-aware, then they will come to that conclusion. And, you know, we also have to respect that people get there um, when they're supposed to get there. You know? exactly. So just because you present someone with information or they, they have willingness in that moment to, um, to expand their knowledge doesn't mean that after you have that conversation or after they viewed something that they are going to be 
a changed individual. You know, it's, it shouldn't be anyone's goal to change anyone's mind. It should be their goal to um, expose them to things contrary to the negativity that they have experienced or have learned. So, um, I think that was a great first conversation, and um, we hope to have many more like this. Um, We also hope to um, get to a place where we can actually have guest speakers, and we can have um, conversations um, that are beyond our realm and Mm -hmm. present knowledge to all of us. Exactly, and I I look forward, um, today we kind of um, stayed on the the variations of people, but to understand that this podcast is meant to be all-inclusive, including um, orientations, and uh, everyone is welcome, so uh, I look forward to our guests coming from every background walk of life. Uh, so that we can uh, continue to educate and educate ourselves well on certain things. Absolutely, so. absolutely. We're looking to create a salad of humans, and I say salad as opposed to melting pot because right. melting implies that we all have to infuse together. But yes. uh, salad means everybody gets to keep the unique things that they bring to the table. Yes, and you can still that. see all those lovely things that everyone's bringing, but we're together in that bowl. You know, uh-huh. of humanness. So, um, exactly. thank you for your time, and um, we hope that you will join us again for our next episode. Yes, 